Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you a rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on this weekend's UFC event. Hey everybody, welcome back to the sixth round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, come to y'all just from the conclusion of UFC 282 at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, on the heels of a split draw between Jan Blahovich and Magomed Ankalaev, keeping, as, as somebody else made the joke on Twitter, congratulations to Vacant for retaining the title. Right. <laughs> Vacant does. Actually, that's the makings of a true champion is when you defend yeah, it once. That's right. right. Yeah, he's, it's got a title fight. No, it's got a title defense now. I mean, he's coming for Cain uh, Velasquez's or uh, Stipe's um, streak. <laughs> you better watch out, man. There's a new sheriff in town. That's right. Uh, that's right. But wild, weird strange end to I mean this was really a card that like man it it front loaded all the fun you know we oh, got fun all the way up through and then you get to the co-main event and that's just a weird slight I mean it wasn't awful but it was kind of a slog by the end of the fight it was a slog and then the main event also just really weird and also just kind of a grind. Yeah, I mean, we got all finishes up until the co-main event and main event. And those two decisions, uh, one was, well, they're, they're both questionable. They're both highly suspicious. Right, yeah. Um, but, I mean, a pretty fun card overall. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, uh, I guess it's, it's a good sign when Patty the Batty isn't the fun point on the card. Yeah, yeah. Because he's supposed and, and, to be, right? Like, he's supposed right. to be that. He's, he's the thrill. He's the show. And, hey, we had we also had the silver lining. Kadarov and Akhmad MMA don't get to take a belt home. So, you know. Okay. Well, there you go. It's not all the worst news in the world. But uh, you, you know, you are Mr. Positivity after all, Zane. That's right. I'm learning. I'm learning. Enough time with you is rubbed off. Um, <laughs> Good to see my work here is done, Zane. That's right. That's right. On that note, I'm kicking you off the show. I can return to heaven where I belong. (laughs) You've seen the light, Zane. Yeah, yeah. No, this was a cool. If you see a trap door opening, just ignore it. (laughs) Exactly. No, this was a great card. Yeah. Um, super fun. Lots of blood. Cool finishes, submissions, um, knockouts, standing TKOs. Freaking eighteen-year-old, you know, catching the submission in the UFC yeah. is pretty wild. Pontanibia had a little return, had a miraculous comeback. Mm-hmm. Chris Curtis had a devastating knockout. Shabazian had a crazy comeback. Um, Ilya Taporia did the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Drickus Duplessis picked up the biggest win of his career. Uh, just to you know. A lot of cool stuff. Yeah, really fun. At least for me. First things first, though. Who won the main event? How'd you have it? Well, I had Ankalaev winning. I gave him the first, I gave him the fourth, and I gave him the fifth. That seemed like a reasonably reasonably safe scorecard to me. Second round was clear. He took a lot of damage. Third round, I could, I would, I think you have to score it for Ankali or for for Block uh, Blahovich because of the damage. Uh it was otherwise it would have been an Ankali of round just off of work done, work rate. But right. we know damage is supposed to be king. We've all read the rules at this point. We've heard all the speeches. And honestly, the draw wouldn't bug me too much because Rounds one and three, the 10-8, there, there are factors here to mitigate and to be a little, you know, hey, it could go this way, it could go that way. The thing that bugs me and that makes me really feel like it's wrong is that it no none of the judges thought round one was the toss-up. It was yeah. round three that they made the toss-up, and that should have been a much clearer round to score. Yeah. Well, I mean, the three was... 
Well, so Jan, Jan did his damage in the third round as soon as the, the round started. He comes yeah. out, attacks the legs again, which were already compromised from the second round. So, you know, I guess maybe you could make an argument saying, well, that that's just, you know, overlapping damage from the second round. It's not like it's new damage being caused. But he took the other leg away in the third round. Yeah, no, I gave it to Jan. I thought yeah. I thought that was that was and that came closer to ending the fight than anything else that happened in that round. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the judges actually gave Ankalaev. And honestly, some judges disrespect leg kicks. Yeah. And, and the the severity and and the impact that they actually cause. Um, but this house. wasn't. But this wasn't like a, this wasn't a case where, um, you know, maybe one of the fighters had most of their weight shifted to one leg, and then they just had the leg swept out from under them. No. This was he got he got his shit rocked. <laughs> he was he was limping. He was in a bad way. I think you got away that. I mean it. It feels like it was close to ending the fight, and Uncle Iev did great to recapture momentum in that third round, and he carried that momentum through to the end of the fight. You know, there's no question about that. There's no question that he did well, but you got to look at that damage first and foremost. That has to be a that should be a consistent Jan Bohovic round. The first round should be our swing round, and uh, you know, the third scoring at a ten eight or not can right. be the swing. Because uh, there wasn't a lot of damage done by Uncle Iev in the third round. He never got close to finishing the fight. He just beat Blahovich for every second of it. There was never, there was no offense from Blahovich the whole fight. Yeah, zero. Um, he had zero yeah. strikes in the fourth and the fifth round. Yeah. Uh, so um, you also have to look at the fact, you know, of course, this is after the fact, this is hindsight, but even Yawn thought he lost the fight and yeah. said, give but, the belt to Ankalaev. Like, I don't know. I think uh, Jan got away with one here with not getting a loss on his record. Mm-hmm. I thought Ankalaev probably got robbed. Um, but I guess they'll just do it again. I mean, what else can you really yeah. do? Glover's going to yeah. have to just wait. Yeah, I feel bad for Glover. He's sitting there watching the clock, watching his calendar, being like, man, I can't get much older. He can't. I know, right? You know? It is, that is the real loser of that main event. Yeah, no kidding. Glover no kidding. We'll see. I mean, maybe it'll be, you know, maybe it'll be one of them ha- is injured and can't come back on the time frame. Uncle I have sounded pissed. After that fight ended. Oh, dude, he was starting to leave the UFC. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe it'll be the kind of thing where, you know, the UFC will be like, okay, let's put this fight back together again. And he's just like, no, not doing it. Don't care. Yeah, I already won that fight. And I mean, thing with Ankalaev too, you know, we're talking like, oh, Katarov doesn't get a belt to to stick in his collection. But uh, it also, Ankalaev is, he's one of those dudes who's in a position where, UFC money probably doesn't mean that much to him, you right. know. Yeah. There, there are deep pockets supporting that career already, so he can maybe he can afford if he wants to probably just turn his nose up and be like, "Nah, I'm not doing this." You know, we saw it with uh oh, what's his? Name? I can't remember the guy's name now. Uh, it was a while ago. It was another light heavyweight who had like three or four fights in the UFC and then just left and like went off to go box in like really shady bouts in Chechnya. Uh, it was a, a Dagestani. It was, uh, what was his name? Edelov. Edelov. I can't remember the, his, the rest of his name. It was like, okay. Anyway, but anyway, so, who knows what the threats are? Glover is gonna have to wait and hope that he can get a, a piece of something. Because otherwise, yeah, you just you run this fight back. It was a it was a absolutely interesting fight. It may not have been the most thrilling fight in the whole world, but it was really interesting. And the fight it set up, 
a rematch of it is also interesting because we have obvious things that both guys can do that the other one can't deal with. And they know it now. Like, Blahovich, after the fight, he's like, yeah, my, de- you know, my, my wrestling demon is back, and I got to work really hard on that. And Uncle Ayev, he was clearly not prepared for those kicks. So, Yeah, but it's crazy because you take away those kicks, and, and, and what do you have? Yeah, I mean, if he A can dominant fall. dominant fight for Uncle Ayev. Yeah, which is why Blahovich felt like Uncle Ayev won it despite all that, but... Honestly, Crazy man, it's all like it's like Glover might as well just wait for Yeri to get healthy. Yeah, right. Just no fight him for an interim title. <laughs> just get their rematch going on, man. Two hundred five is so snake bitten. Yeah, it really is plagued. John Jones really cursed. Two hundred five. Yeah, maybe that's what's wrong with heavyweight too. It's just Jones like threatening, leaving at light heavyweight, threatening to go to heavyweight. It's just cla- casting a dark cloud over everything. <laughs> It could be asthma. But uh that's why that's why you're here, Zane, to be that ray of sunshine. That's right. Split splitting the darkness, the ray of light, that that beacon of hope in the night. Give us all hope. All right. Let's go to a lightweight bout, co-main event, Patty Pimblet, Jared Gordon. Oh, and we've got a note from our, our uh, producer, too, that says that Dana White is hating on that main event. So Really? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think it was horrible. Maybe he means the scoring. Who knows? We're not watching that. Uh, but... uh, uh, true, true, true. But, uh, yeah, scoring was weird. Yeah. Fight was, I thought the fight was pretty good, though. Yeah, I, I, I liked just... seeing Ankalaev um, having to overcome some adversity and find yeah. a way around a pretty substantial obstacle, mm-hmm. being his no, legs, no both legs compromised. He had two flat tires out there. We have seen plenty of fighters that when their legs get hurt like that, they cannot fight through it. They cannot find a way to come back from it. So Yeah, I mean, they often get finished. Yeah. Great work. ducks out there. So credit to Ankalaev to responding with pressure and and crowding. I mean, that's what you do to a kicker. You crowd the kicker. So yeah. coming out and just getting in Jan's face and staying there and, you know, switching up things and going to his wrestling. I mean, it was it was excellent mid-fight adjustments. It was the heart of a champion. Sure. I, I feel bad for him, honestly. Well, I, you know, he's he's mad too. So <laughs> But let's go get to this co-main event, though. Pimblet Gordon. I was not willing. I'm not willing quite to say that Blahovich Ankalaev was a robbery. I think it was a. There were close rounds in there to make different scores arguable. Pimblet Gordon, though, at I don't understand. Like, it just didn't feel like a Patty Pimblet win. He got outworked. He got out controlled. Both men landed plenty of clean shots. Gordon landed more of them. Nobody went down. There was no knockdown in the fight. Uh, and nobody threatened with any serious submissions. Pimbo had a couple of back takes at points that, like, you know, were good. They were better positioned than Gordon holding him on the cage, but they weren't enough that I'd be like, oh, yeah, 10 seconds of not actually getting anything at the end of a round steers that whole round in a whole different direction. Right. I think, I I think that was Patty's saving grace. He clearly lost the first round, right? Yeah. Clearly he was getting pieced up. He, um, but what he did in the second and third rounds was finish in really good positions. So the end of the second, um, he actually started getting his striking going. He started landing punches and landing clean, like yeah. right before the bell. So that was, you know, a lasting impression. And then again, he's he's getting controlled in the third round for most of the fight up against the cage. And he was landing. He was the one landing strikes. I will give him that. Um, but he eventually scrambled out with like thirty seconds to go and jumped on the back, and that's where the fight ended. So he did leave these solid lasting impressions in each round on the you know in the judge's eyes i, I don't like it i mean I I'm, I'm with you at, i'm looking at the round three stats we were saying he he was like he landed six to gordon's four is what he's credited with and they're both credited with 21 total strikes that round hmm. like it's just 
I, you know, I don't like score control. You know that. I hate doing that. Yeah, it's. I just didn't see anything that made it like you would made a reason to score anything other than control in that round. It just. Oh, in the third round. Yeah, in the third round, and honestly, just the other two. There was. I put it this way: there were no. So apparently Dana White really didn't like that title fight at all because he's now announcing that we're just hearing from our producer that he's announced that Glover Teixeira and uh, Jamal Hill are now going to fight for the vacant title in Brazil. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Smith Smith did get shafted. And who's Smith? Anthony Smith. Shafted out of what? I don't know. Why are we talking what? about Anthony Smith? <laughs> oh, oh, that's 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 yeah. right. That's right. He was supposed to fight Jamal Hill. Okay, that's why. Okay, oh, that makes sense. But yeah, so that you know what? Wow. I guess. I mean, I would still run back Uncle Blahovich, but. Man, if you're Uncle Iev, now that idea that he might leave the UFC seems a lot more plausible after that. Yeah, no kidding. If he's not even going to get a chance to go back and regain the belt immediately in another title fight, and like I said, he's probably one of the few dudes out there who legit has deeper pockets backing him than the UFC can match or cares to match. Like that, that might be it. That might be. No, I love the, I love the chaos at two Oh five. It's John Jones's wake of chaos continues. It's rippling effect. I mean, <sighs> you got to just love it at this point. Well, yeah, there's ride. no change. In it. It's not like anybody out there is listening to us. Oh no. Yeah. This is a, um, the car is moving. There's no yeah. one, no one at the wheel, but the car is moving. Absolutely. Wow. So yeah, Uncle Iev, he is going to be doubly pissed. If he was angry before, he's going to be doubly as mad. Now. Well, we can. I think it's safe to say that Glover Teixeira won the main event. Now. Yeah, no kidding. It is. We thought Glover Teixeira was the big loser. Turns nope. out he was the big winner of the night. He gets Little that did we know, fight. Dana White flexing, flexing yeah. his power. Which is crazy because I didn't think it was a, a bad main event. I didn't think it was a bad yeah. fight. No, I thought it was an interesting fight. But, I, I mean, it wasn't – it's the kind of thing, too, where if you're looking at that fight and you're like, oh, that was boring. It's like you booked this two counterpunchers to fight each other in the main event. Like Jan Blachowicz's big claim to fame is he's a great counterpuncher and he's a great kick defender. Those are the things that make Jan Blachowicz great is how good a kick defender he is, which is cool, but it's not the kind of thing that, like, you know, you don't you don't book... You've you watched both these men fight their whole careers in the UFC. It's not a, it's not a non-stop thrill ride. It's a, it's a lot of careful, cautious pacing. Yeah. You know, you can't turn around and be like, oh, they fought too smart. You, you knew who these guys were. Whatever. Not only that, but it wasn't... It wasn't like... It was a better fight considering that factor. It was honestly a better fight than I would have expected out of it. I thought it would be a much yeah, less dynamic fight than it we, was. We got damage. We got people in bad positions. Yeah. Oh. Oh my goodness. We're also be all, we're getting all the updates. Our, our producer is now telling us that the Dana White is claiming that James Krause could be going could go to federal prison. This just in. Yeah, dude, they, they're they're on that uh, Al Capone kick. They got him on the money charges. We're gonna have to start doing this show live, Zane. I know. We're getting all the hot the hot tips coming in now. Wow, all that right. sucks for Kraus, man. And he he really effed things up for a lot of people too. So nobody, nobody more than himself. At least there's that. <laughs> yeah, he may have screwed a bunch of other people over, but he is going down with the ship. Oh, all right. Anyway, let's get back. Focus a, a bit. We don't want to do this show for like three hours. Um, 
Patty Pimblett, Jared Gordon. I hate that score. I don't, you know, I really think it's a fight that Gordon deserved to win. He put the work in. Um, Pimblett, you know, it's maybe it's just one of those things where, like, the crowd cheers louder when he lands something, you know? I don't know. He was getting bonked in that first round. Yeah, every every left hook Gordon was throwing was landing flush, snapping the head back. I mean, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't close. That, I mean, and even if it like even if you're gonna argue that Pimblet landed good shots, which he did, you just you have to then turn around and be like, Yeah, and he got hit with a bunch of good shots. I don't you know, I don't really see how you steer that in his favor, but uh, it's good business for the UFC that he won. There's a lot more interest in booking whatever fight comes next for Patty Pimblett than there is. Yeah, in no, it's it's almost as if the the ringside officials, the the scorekeepers, already knew who they were going to pick to win the the round. Eddie, we've discussed this over and over. There are no fixed fights in the UFC. Dana White came out a couple weeks ago and he was like, "Yo, we don't have any proof that any wrongdoing was done by any fighters or coaches." We don't have any evidence that anything is wrong at all. Just some gambling activity. It's all cool and chill. And I'm sure if something else was happening in the meantime, we would have heard about it. Yeah, there's nothing, no funny business going on. Yeah. But uh, uh, James Krause might go to federal prison. Might. Oh, and 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 one of the best light heavyweights in the world in Ankalaev might not ever fight for this organization again because he's crying shenanigans. It's, it's getting yeah. It's, it's getting, getting wild. All right. Uh, oh, next fight for Pimblet. I had a brainwave. I was writing up my fights to make article. I was thinking, what about Michael Johnson? Wow. That's a dangerous fight for Pimblet. It's a very dangerous fight. I kind of, I, I like it. I think it'd be a ballsy, um, a very little upside to beating Michael Johnson. Yeah, but Pimblet's in a point like coming off of this, especially. I don't think you book him in upside fights. Like, I mean, yeah, you could book him against somebody like Jim Miller too. That'd be a similar sort of place. But like, you know, there was no upside to beating Jared Gordon either. Especially not the way he did. We're all well, not talking about like. Uh, I mean, upside. It's 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 not that there's an upside to fighting Jared Gordon as much as a lack of risk. Sure, and Michael Johnson is more risky, but he's also easier to. He also loses more spectacularly too. Hmm. That's a tough one. I I would be surprised if Pimblet took that fight. I'd be I don't, yeah, but that's the thing is that like you know you start you, you can only go so far up the division winning these kinds of fights before every fight that's in front of you is like a you know are you actually going to fight like you know Joel Alvarez? Are you going to fight uh, uh what's his name like um Grant Dawson? Like mm. he's out there. He's a dude who's in the same position as Tim as Pimblet, more or less. Yeah, um, I mean Pimblet's going to call his shot. Yeah, I we know. won't we won't know who it is until until he decides. I'm just saying that I think if I'm in, if I'm a matchmaker, that's the kind of fight I'm pushing. I'm like, you know what, this guy's been around. He's been around long enough that people know who he is, and that's more than you can say of Jared Gordon, and. Uh, that's the kind of fight that we're booking you in, you know. I think uh, Patty Pimblett and uh, Bryce Mitchell, uh, their striking coaches might hang out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're they're savvy grapplers, but their striking is just not on par with the top of their um, with the top of the division. Yeah, it's interesting because I think both of them too are actually they're savvy strikers and that they pick the right time and they throw the right strikes at the right time. They just don't have any form to go with it. And at some point that really starts to bite, you know, there you can only go so far being like just really 
really good on your timing and good on your picking your spots without any defensive movement whatsoever. Yeah, so. very very clunky on the feet. It's like yeah. the Chase Hooper thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, let, let's let's move on. Santiago Ponzinibbio, Alex Morono, and now I have another totally different question for you. Hmm. How bad do you feel for Alex Morono right now? I feel real bad for the kid. Did he win fight of the night? Uh, hard. Nope. Tim no, he Dover's did not. Duplessis won fight of the night. Yep, I absolutely feel horrible for Morono. Um, but on the same token, I don't. On the same well, token, I don't. You got you, you got you got no feeling in your soul, Eddie. I mean, come no. on, the guy stepped up on short hey. notice. He, you know, he jumped in there. This is a big opportunity, and he was cruising for seventy-five percent of this fight. He had Ponzinibbio hurt three different times, once in each round, and he didn't convert. Yeah. I don't feel bad. He know, was, it was he, a close fight. It was not a close fight. He was winning it, clearly, right up until, like, two minutes, you know. Well, the, no, I mean, like, for Morona. Yeah. Like, he lost, yeah. but, like, yeah. you know, he 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 should be proud of what he did out there. Yeah. Stepping up, you know, he, he he lost his win streak, which was nice, but it was a hell of a fight. Um, and I don't think his stock really drops that much. Oh, his stock with him, doesn't drop. Even with him being on that winning streak, it's not like he was in title contention or nope. anything remotely close to that. So he continues to be a reliable, consistent action fighter who um, who who overproduces in regards to his just outward appearance. He's unassuming. He overproduces, super fun, and, you know, he, he was very close to winning, but he didn't. This is a prime, This was his prime chance to get a big win that would put him into bigger fights. I mean, I don't think he was ever going to be a title contender ever, but this is the kind of fight where it's like, okay, you win this, and maybe they throw you in there against Neil Magny next time, or maybe they throw you in there against... Uh, you know, Daniel Rodriguez or somebody somebody else with the number next to the name, and you get a chance to climb a little. You get a chance to to try and over keep overperforming. You know, you get your Bilal Muhammad opportunity, and I mean, it just shows you the difference of like how hard it is to do what Bilal Muhammad did has done because. Morono, he's, you know, Muhammad's the kind of guy, too, who is always seems like he's walking a razor's edge in his fights. Mm -hmm. But Morono is really just teetering on the edge of disaster every time where it's like, man, you got, you have to play this game perfect down to the mic, the millimeter, down to the to the atom, the molecule. And it just took one little slip for Ponzinibbio to land two huge right hands, and that was it. I mean, honestly, the same thing could be said about Ponzinibbio. <laughs> he was literally, ah. he had a foot out the door. Like, he was yeah. one foot in the grave, about to be donezo. Yeah, but and, he's got things like natural power and a little bit of athleticism. and Yeah, no, that power that carries late in fights. Yeah. That's no, what I'm was, saying. It was cool, cool to it, see, man, just the way he shot and here's the crazy thing. It's like all of the first two and uh, almost two and a half rounds, Ponzinibbio is just throwing one strike at a time. Mm -hmm. It's either a jab, it's either a right hand, or it's a leg kick. Man and, went to the JDS school of that long jab to the body with no follow-up. Yeah, it was just not um, – it was frustrating for me to watch, honestly. It's like, man, throw – one punch ain't gonna do nothing for you get your yeah. punches and bunches and like the one time he strings together a jab to an overhand right he av it looked like he broke Miranda, uh, Miranda's jaw mm -hmm. like his jaw did this weird sideways like kink thing and yeah. kind of gruesome looking 
And you gave him that mean face. That that, yeah, mean face. that I smell something. I taste something funny. <laughs> something stinks. <laughs> One of those faces. Yeah, it, it was Dan. It was a hell of a fight. Great win from Ponzinibbio. Crushing defeat for Alex Morono. And uh, yeah, for Ponzinibbio though, it, it keeps him right up there, floating around the edge of the top fifteen. Which I was going to say. Speaking of throwing somebody at Neil Magny. They should run back the Neil Magny fight. Yeah, I'm here for that. Because Ponzinibbio beat him back in 2018. A lot of water has gone under the bridge since then. Like, I think this is a good time to play that one back. Yeah, I'm here for that. Who'd Magny just fight? He was just in a a war. Neil Magny. Did he come up short in that? Or yes. no, he, no, no, he, he beat he Daniel Rodriguez. That's right. Right he after losing Shabtop Rachmanov. A classic Magni. Yeah. That was a that was that low IQ moment for Rodriguez when he stood yep. up in the third for no reason. Yep. So that's one I'd like to see run back. And I think this is the right time to do it. Yeah, I like that. All right, that brings us to a middleweight bout. One fight of the night, Drikus Duplessis against Darren Till. And what a weird-ass fight. Just one of the weirdest fights I have ever seen, honestly. Because Darren Till came out and just got pantsed for five minutes. Like, four. And four minutes and 40 seconds of round one. Yeah. Just shit-kicked. Really beat up, unquestioned, to the point that every 10 seconds he had to tell the ref, I'm okay, I'm okay, please trust me, I'm okay. And then he came, you know, Drikas Duplessis was tired. Till comes back in round two. He rallies, he has a good round, he lands lots of one-twos. Things seem like they're going pretty good. He hurts Duplessis a few times. And I don't know what I don't know what Duplessis made. I, he says he he breathes through his his mouth is always open and he's always breathing through it through his mouth mouth because his nose doesn't work very well, which is insane because you know no, no nasal breathing is much more efficient. Like you get much more. Oh no, yeah, no, he's a, he's a mouth breather for sure. And to not be able to breathe through your nose and to have the kind of cardio that he has. To be able to rally, because even before that takedown in round three, he was winning. Dude, damn, dude, damn that cardio. What's impressive is the fact that he's breathing through his mouth, mouth open, and he's got the chin that he has. Yeah. That How too. is he eating these shots with his mouth wide open? I don't That's know. what impresses me. Dude is just tougher than boiled owl poop. Owl poop Man, so. He's got it's it. He's got a little of whatever Yoel Romero is, is made up of. Uh, he's yeah. really great at these crazy explosions, and then he'll he'll take a whole round off. Yeah, I mean, uh, but he he also has the best way I can describe it is is he's got that sort of Brock Lesnar thing about him, where like he'll throw a straight, he'll throw a cross, but it's like it's. Not ex- it's straight, but it, mm-hmm. it is not your textbook two, right? It is no, just yeah. But man, that thing is so explosive, and if it's it a connects, one point eight, exactly. Yeah, it's a one point eight. But damn it, if that thing isn't isn't just a piston, yeah, he hits so freaking hard, and he's so freaking tough. He is, and you know, till he's spent. It's kind of wild because he has. He's clearly very physically talented, very physically gifted. Got great technique, especially as a striker. He has been working really hard for a couple of years now, it feels like, on putting his wrestling game together. And it just feels like nothing has changed really for him as as to what kind of fighter he is. Since he hit the UFC back in 2015. Except that he's now more fragile. Like, that's the only change, is that everything breaks. And in this fight, he tapped to a face crank, and it was not a 
it, I'm sure it sucked. I don't want Drikus Duplessis on on my back doing anything, let alone putting a, a an arm across my face. But it was not the kind of face crank that we see finish fights. It was the point where Till was just like, I I, heard, I blew my ACL out. I'm done. I'm not doing this. Yeah. This he also, this he also got uh, hit in the nuts that round. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even starting the mat, that round, Duplessis was landing a ton of a ton of punches. Yeah, like he was landing his own jab. He was he was winning that round, no question. And when when Till got hit in the crotch, you could see it even then that like his focus was totally blown. Yeah, started arguing with the ref. Started you know he's like oh, I'm fine, and then he keeps talking to the ref, and the ref's like, "What are you doing? Are you okay? Do you want to continue?" And he just keeps talking to him, and it's just like. You say you're okay, then keep fighting. What do you, what do you keep like grabbing your crotch and talking to the ref for? Right. Yeah. You know? And then yeah, he gets taken down, gives up his back, and that tap was, you know, happening practically at the same point that the net, the arm was going across his neck. So. Yeah, and it was belly down too. Yeah. So that's when you're done. That's yeah. one of the. And honestly, like when I was watching it happen, I felt like there was an understanding and it was Till wanted a way out yep. and Duplessis gave it to him. That That is absolutely what it felt like. And you got to wonder, because like now with his ACL blown, like we're talking, what are we talking like another year on the sidelines for Darren Till? Yeah, it's a sad story, honestly. Yeah, I know he's um, only 29. So it's not like he can't afford the time, but he has been at this game for almost a decade now. And it feels like there's the cage miles on him are real. Yeah, I mean, it definitely feels like his chance at uh, a championship is is all but done. Mm-hmm. And he's on the downside of his career. And if I were him, I would probably try to get in some sort of high money fight. Yeah. And then try to maybe get out of my contract and go do something else. Who knows? Weird, weird, weird place for him to be in. Another wild win for Drikus Duplessis. And so, uh, question now is Does he fight Roman Delidzi? That would be explosive. That's for sure. Or the other option, Marvin Vittori. Oh, that's a big jump. I mean, he's in the top 10 now, and Marvin Vittori needs fights, and it's not like Drikas Duplessis lacks any confidence, you know? Oh, for sure. And I mean, and and Duplessis is, is... He's an animal. That's the best way I can describe him. He is just a freaking animal. Yeah. He he is going to be the beast in the in the matchup nine out of ten times. Um, I think him and Paulo Costa would be a, just so much fun. Yeah, but Costa is he is he is exiting the UFC. He's got that Robert Whitaker fight booked. It's the last on his contract, and he just turned down a six fight extension. He is he is going to beat Cheeks come twenty twenty three. We'll see. Yeah, you think he's going to stick around? I mean, maybe. I mean, there's nothing wrong with yeah. testing free agency. No, no. I just, I think he's got the he he's got his eyes on all the celebrity prize fighting out there and wants a piece of it. And more power to him. Yeah. Get your money, boo boo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in, you can put him in there with Vittori. This guy has duplicy is must see TV. Yeah, a couple of years ago, nobody would argue about putting Darren Till in with Marvin Vittori, and he and Duplessis have been fighting exactly the same amount of time. Like, dude's not a fresh-faced newcomer. He didn't just show... I, he's new to the UFC, but he didn't just start this MMA thing. He's only yeah. a year younger than Till. <laughs> I would just rather see him in, like... I don't know. Vittori can just be boring sometimes. Sure. The Delidzi fight is out there too. Delidzi, um, Costa is really something I'd like to see. I'd like to see Sean Strickland. 
that mm. would be great too. That would be fun. Especially just with how dedicated Strickland is to like the volume hand hand trap parry jab and having somebody who's just gonna like swing clubs at you the whole time. Yeah. And like you're gonna try to out bravado Drake's duplacy? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, man's man has put together a reputation is unflappable. All right. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Ilya Tapuria, Bryce Mitchell, and there was a little of what I expected out of this fight, which is that Mitchell would kind of keep it dogged, keep it a little tough, keep it scrappy until he didn't, until things really went against him. But mostly, I have to say, this was just a showcase for what a physical beast Tapuria is. Because he did not let Mitchell in very much of this fight. Uh, no, I mean, it, it just shows the how well-rounded Tapuria is. And not just how well-rounded he, he is, how great he is in each of those facets. Yeah. His striking is just badass. Yep. His his grappling is, is stout. Like, it's mm-hmm. really strong. And Bryce Mitchell, his grappling is phenomenal. It's real, real crafty and wily and um, aggressive and real high energy. Yep. But his stand-up is really just not good. I mean, he's done this thing where he is—he's really good, like I say, at reading moments and picking spots. You know, he—he he rocked uh, Edson Barboza in their last fight, dropped him. But the moment. And so when he's on offense and he's getting to pick all his own spots, getting to spam kicks, getting somebody backing up against him, he can be pretty clever. He he landed a really sharp up kick right up the middle on Taboria at one point that Taboria just ate and walked through. You know, right. it's not a, it's not um it's not a polished or deep game. No, it's not a polished or deep game. It's, and it's a game that if his opponent starts to figure it out, starts to find a hole in it, there's nothing Mitchell can do to plug that. There's, right. Especially when he's retreating, when he is having to, when he has somebody firing hard shots, just eating whatever he's taking or bringing and firing back, there's nothing he's going to do to cover up for the defensive lapses in his game. And they're, and they're pretty big. And like, that's fine if he doesn't, like, he doesn't have to be this world-class kickboxer, no. right? Like, he can he can develop a serviceable striking game that he can use to set up his uh like Damian Maya and he yeah. and Mitchell even did the Damian Maya takedown here where you come yeah. out you pull guard or you die on a single leg you you turn it you put your hook in and and you turn it into a sweep and yep. Mitchell can do that um so maybe kind of focus on that just to get the fight in your wheelhouse instead of you know, having to go through hell and eat a bunch of bombs before getting your chance to scramble on the ground. Yeah, maybe maybe this will be a, a, a changing point for him in terms of his style and his approach because he just hasn't had to face this before, really, you know? He's never had to face yeah. a fighter who could really compete with him on the mat physically in a way that forced him to have to think about his striking. So now he has. And yeah, tough lesson. Tough lesson. We'll see how he bounces back from it. For Tapuria, um, we'll see. I mean, he's going to keep shooting up the division. And uh, he called out Brian Ortega, but or I don't know where Ortega's at with his shoulder injury mm-hmm. from uh, his last fight in June. Maybe, uh, oh, what was I thinking? Maybe if I, uh, and I'm sure he also won't fight Giga Chikadze. Does that matter too? Right. Seem too much like they like to cheer each other on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, would somebody like I don't know? Would Cater be too big a jump? Would uh... no? I don't think there is a such a thing as too big of a jump. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you rebook the Evil Web fight or something like that. You can. Uh, who was um, who was the Korean zombie about to fight that he just had to pull out of? Uh, you know what? I don't think they'd announced an opponent yet. They just announced. So it had leaked out that he was planned to be on the card. Okay. But I'll check on uh, 
topology really quick because if they if there was about planned then topology will have the cancellation record nope there was no about announced so okay well yeah i mean he can fight anyone at this point i mean it's yeah. clear that he's elite like it's yeah. clear that he's ready to make a run yeah so you can you can put him in there with cater you can put him in there with arnold allen he needs a fight sure. he yeah. probably is the better option out of anybody yeah, it's just that Alan has, I'm sure, designs on getting a title shot at some point here and, you know, not at a uh, fact. Yeah, but he'd be waiting for a long time, though. Yeah, it's true. We got Volkanovski up at lightweight right now. Say, he got oh, yeah. here. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe Arnold Allen. I mean, that would be... That'd be a huge step, but Toporia keeps proving that he's he's ready for it. All right, that brings us to a bantamweight bout. Raul Rosas Jr., the youngest UFC fighter of all time now, gets a win in his debut against Jay Perrin. I mean, it's got to be, you know, I can't I can't dismiss it because being that young and going out and performing like that is a really fantastic feat, you know. It, it's really remarkable. That said, this was a fight absolutely set up for him to get that win. Oh, yeah. For sure. And that's fine. Yeah, it's exactly what he should be doing. I mean, I would argue that an 18-year-old probably shouldn't be being rushed into the UFC and the biggest stage in combat sports where they can you know, experience a bunch of life-altering violence before they've even graduated high school. But... If you're going to, then starting slow with a fight like this one against Jay Perrin is the right way to do it. And, like, you're not going to see this when, out of people whose specialty is striking. Like, yeah. the, being a grappler and, and being this young is is uh, way more feasible. I mean, I, I train with this guy, Logan Hicks, who is – he's 16 years old, and he is just running through grown-ass men – and I mean, at, at high levels, purple belts, blue belt. He, I mean, he just got his blue belt. He's 16 and he just got his blue belt. And he's just wrecking people. And it, you think you can use your grown man's strength on him. And it's like each day that goes by, that works less and less and less and less. And he is just holding his own and just destroying men. And he's not yeah. even, he can't even, you know, he. <laughs> He's 18. He can't even get into like a. Uh, I mean, can't buy cigarettes. He can't Rose has just beer. said he wants. He wanted 50 G's to buy his mom a minivan so she can drive him to the Performance Institute for practice. <laughs> and he you got know? it. He got it too. Yeah. Um, but so. we we see it's it's kind of similar to, to Chase Hooper. Oh, I just noticed noted noticed on that fact or at that point too. Good on you know what. I'm I'll, I'll always be the first one to point out when the UFC is like squashing somebody or screwing people over. Good on them for this. They gave every fighter who got to finish a bonus. Yeah, that's fantastic. Which is everybody who won just... their fights outside of the main and co-main events. Yeah. Yep. All fighters with finishes collected 50K on this card, which is how I think it should be. All the time. Yeah, yeah, same here. Instead of the it should whole... be mandatory, and then if we can just yeah. work on deleting the whole win bonus scheme. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you look at this main event. It's You're like, no kidding. Damn. It's a draw. No one gets paid. That sucks. So you have to hand out eleven bonuses tonight, which, nice. like I say. I like to see it. All right. And yeah, Roses, just keep him on the slow path, you know? Let yeah, he doesn't need up. to end up like Chase Hooper. Yeah. Or 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 uh, Sage Northcutt, for that matter. You know? Woof. There woof, are, woof, there are woof. cautionary tales out there. I mean, look at Aaron Pico. Yeah. He had some rough setbacks early yeah. in his career. This the sport is not kind. My my worry is always, you know, you look at Darren Till, 
it will chew you up before you're 30, you know? Especially if you're trying to strike. Yeah. Especially. All right. That brings us to a heavyweight bout. Jarzino Rosenstrike, Chris Daukhaus, and uh, the blitzing striker against the power counterpuncher, the tale as old as time. <laughs> Rosenstrike just melting Daukhaus on the counter and then punching him out of there in 23 seconds. Exactly the win Rosenstrike needed. Things going real bad in 2023 for the Daukhaus brothers. Or in 2022 for the Dakas brothers. Yeah, it's going to be a rough Christmas. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, family that rehabs together stays together, man. Yeah, they're, uh, that's that's rough. <laughs> that's going to be a cranky household. Get get gotta gotta stock up on the ice packs so they can rotate them. Oh. <laughs> Good for Biggie Boy, though, man. Yeah. This is uh, this is what like I always wanted to see out of him. And like I knew he had it in him, but it's been a long time since we've seen him just dust somebody. Mm-hmm. So, pretty cool. I just hope he stays this ferocious. Yeah. Because it pays dividends. Like, it this does. Is, this is a division where if you can explode on people and be the better athlete out there and deliver that sort of heavyweight power, like if 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 there was any takeaway from the Francis Naganu loss, it's yeah. hey, go go beast on people when you can. Yep. Big win for him, keeps him in the top ten of the division. Puts him up for probably a fight with like, I don't know, Marcin Tybura or something, you know. Sure. He'll probably have a real boring, slow-paced kickboxing bout yep. in his next out. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Edmund Shabazian, Dolce Lungiambula. You going to start calling him Vegas Edmund? No. No. I'm not nobody. calling him at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking? I mean, that was what he said afterward. He's like, you know, you could... I, he's talking about how much he loves Vegas. Like they call you call me Vegas Edmund now, and then nobody in the crowd it was just crickets. Just yeah, no, it wasn't good. The delivery <laughs> was bad. Not only yeah. was what he's saying just swagless, but <laughs> the the emphasis in which he said it just wasn't there. Zero yeah, pizzazz. It, zero, zero presence. Pizzazz. Yeah. Uh, you know, but you got a cool head. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he got a cool win. He got 50 grand for it. Uh, exactly the win he needed to get Lunji Mbula as a guy who has been trying to become a more active fighter in the UFC, trying to step his game up, but that just puts him in more exchanges where he can get hurt. And uh, Shabazian, he, he needed that. He needed the controlled, consistent, technical approach here against somebody that he was just a sharper fighter than everywhere, pretty much. Yeah, no, um, Dalcha is just not that technical. Yeah. He's bricked up, but he's not that tall. No, no, no. Um, you can gas him out. You can knock him out. You can submit him. Uh, <laughs> I don't, this is, might be, he might, he might be the next, uh, the slap fight champion or whatever that's called. I would not want that man to slap me. Absolutely not. <laughs> What's that league called? Slap, power, uh, slap. power slap. Power slap. Power yeah, slap, Eddie. No, we gotta be we gotta bone up on this. That's gonna be the, the become the center point of bloody elbow coverage for the next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna see if I can get some press credentials. There we go. Yeah, I can't get Hey, some... we're we may be blacklisted from the UFC, but that doesn't mean we're blacklisted from power slap yet. That's right. It absolutely does mean we're blacklisted from power slap though. <laughs> uh absolutely. Absolutely. All right. It's a good place uh, to be, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any complaints. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout. Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley. And if there was ever a more Chris Curtis fight, I can't think of what it would be. Buckley went out there, poured volume on him, had all kinds of success. One round one, was doing great, just trucking along. And then Curtis just found that one perfect counter that he's been he was looking for and melted him blasted him into next week not very cheeto vera like yeah dude uh he looked huge out there too 
Yeah. Buck, he, he, he should fight Delta Lindsay and Bullis. He can get it. He can actually start fighting dudes at middleweight shorter than him. Yeah, if he's still around. <laughs> but uh, no, this was um, man. <laughs> um, poor Buckley. He tried. He tried his best, you know. But he was on his A game. He was doing everything he could. He was landing great body was, shots. But he didn't seem to be that effective. He I just, mean, yeah. He was winning. He was throwing volume, but it, it was. He kind of had a feeling that that Curtis was really cocking his his hands back and really about to unload some heat. I mean, Curtis is stupid tough. That's the thing. Is that like? He's been knocked out once in his whole career, and that was by Ray Cooper the third. In a, He's a in, savage. In a night where he'd already fought three rounds. You know? This is the only time Chris Curtis has ever been knocked out in his career. No, I thought this was a really good performance from Curtis. He yeah. stayed he he stayed fundamentally and defensively responsible long enough to make his reads and he just found the perfect shot i think it was off of a botched head kick that buckley he, he caught a body kick caught the body kick and then just cr- clubbed that left hand in straight down the pipe yeah this was um this was devastating this, yeah. <laughs> this was a pretty brutal knockout um and good for Curtis, especially after that last fight yeah that was a, that was a big dud he produced so for him to come out and you know kind of just slough off all that volume that was coming his way and i mean he did a good job of rolling with the punches and okay. some some strikes did get through but he, that terminator approach really worked out for curtis yep great fight for him and uh, that that'll keep him right in the act the thick of it with action fights so you know love seeing him fight in, in the middleweight division love all the success He's been having. Uh, that brings us to a featherweight bout. Billy Quarantillo, Alexander Hernandez. If Chris Curtis fought the prototypical Chris Curtis fight, Billy Quarantillo absolutely fought the prototypical Billy Quarantillo fight. Mm-hmm. Got his ass handed to him for one round and then just went out and broke Alexander Hernandez in the second. Oh, yeah. I mean, the second Hernandez slowed down even the tiniest bit. Quarantillo smelled the blood in the water. He started picking up the pace and just yeah. the, the avalanche. It started as a little snowball, just jabs and straights. And then Quarantillo just overwhelmed Hernandez just with nonstop punches. Yeah. Unloaded the tank and got himself a standing TKO. And he Great. got busted up here, too. He was, oh, yeah. He, Hernandez. He was in a rough way. Hernandez put it on him. The dude is. The dude is a physical, you know, he, he is a physical force. He can go out there and he can compete physically with anybody. It's just he's been going through it and he's been going through it mentally ever since that Cerrone loss. And each time he fights, DC is always out there like, you know, talk to Alexander Hernandez this week. He's in a much better place right now. He's really put things together. He's really got his mind back on track. He's got his mental game together. It's been a long, hard time coming for him, but he's really in a better place now. And then he goes out and he just gets wrecked in some terrible, absolute, like pull him right back into the teeth of his worst moments ways. That it just seems, you know, he dropped to featherweight. Is he going to be at featherweight again after this? I have no idea. This is going to be. Well, I thought he he was looking good in that first round. Sure, but he... you can't. You really got to pace yourself against Quarantillo. Yeah, I'm just, you know, he was looking good in the first round against Sonata Moicano too, and you know, he was looking good against all all kinds of people. He's looked good early. It's just, can he? Keep it together when things get hard. Yeah. I don't know that featherweight if being at featherweight's gonna solve that problem for him or not, because it didn't here. And Billy Quarantillo's a tough dude, but he's not the toughest dude at 145 pounds. You know? No, he's not. He can he is well, he's hard to kill, that's for sure. He he is hard to kill, but 
you know, you can turn around and there's like Bill Algio is right there and he'll have the exact same fight with you if you want him to. I forget who said it, someone on the broadcast, but they, they mentioned the way that Corintillo weaponizes his cardio. And I like the way they put that. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a poignant way. He he weaponizes it. It's uh, much like a Diaz brother. It's like if you don't kill them, they're going to have a big problem later you, on in the fight in the deep water. Doesn't matter where you put him, he will pull you into a fast-paced fight. You can be on top of him. You can be punching him and kicking him. Whatever you're doing, he will make sure that the pace wears on you faster than it wears on him. Oh, yeah. You're going to know you were in a fight yeah. <laughs> when uh, when you share the octagon with Billy Corintillo. Hell of a lot of fun, that guy. All right, that brings us to another featherweight bout. TJ Brown, Eric Silva, and a shocking sh- turn up for TJ Brown, as far as I'm concerned. He went yeah. out there and he, from moment one, he just he commanded the fight. He just made it clear that he was going to hurt Eric Silva and he was not going to let him off the hook for a second. And the big thing after that, you know, he came out and busted him up and then he just out scrambled him all the rest of the way. Whatever fight Silva wanted to have, Brown beat him at it. Yeah, it was some hard nose wrestling. Yeah. Like Brown is a dog. Like, yeah. He showed the dog tonight. That was that a was... great, great fight from him. Yeah. I mean, excellent. Um, and being able to, to get the finish on top of it all. There's some fun scrambles, too. I mean, it's not like he just blew through Silva. No, no. Silva was competitive, was, you know, a physical force. Just wasn't ready for somebody. I think, you know, I was watching his tape coming into this. And, like, on the regional scene and in Contender Series, too, I was like, you know, this guy is really – he really depends on being able to, like, muscle people around to get – he, to get takedowns, to be the the big strong wrestler guy on a regional scene that didn't have much wrestling, mm. and I thought that would still work for him in this fight because Brown notoriously has terrible first rounds. Um, but it's just like how how long is that really going to translate for him here? And I think the big thing was that you know Brown was able to just go out there and be like, okay, you're going to get you think you're going to get the positions you're used to. I will beat you at all of them. I will right. I will show the scrambling and the wrestling that everybody didn't have on the regionals that takes advantage of all the technical gaps and how much you're just trying to horse your way through things. No, so, yeah. I mean, I think it might be a big eye-opener for Silva yeah. in that respect. Because, I mean, Brown, his wrestling was technical. He wasn't yeah. just muscling things. He was He was hitting... Uh, he was very methodical, I think is a good word for it. Yeah. Just the way he was transitioning, taking the back, not overcommitting, uh, you know, to rear naked chokes and blowing his arms out, just fighting smart on the ground. And, yeah. And just being in – I'll say he was playing chess to Silva's checkers mm-hmm. in the scrambles. Absolutely. Great fight from him. That brings us to our opening bout of the night. Cameron Simon, Stephen Coslow. And um, pretty good, pretty good performance from from Simon in a fight that I thought he had a really bad stylistic matchup and a big shot at losing. Yeah, um, good shot at losing. Good shot at getting disqualified. Yeah, there's that too. Throwing the illegal knee, uh, which kind of changed the fight, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. But yeah, great fight. Great way to, to to stick it through. And oh my God, the scrambles in this fight. Ugh, yeah, they were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. They were so much fun, just back and forth. And one guy would get the dominant position and then scramble out. He would take the back. He'd I don't get think too I've, high. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen more fighters lose back control than these two in this fight. It was great. It, it, it was, it was like uh, it was like it reminded me of. Um, and this is in the best way possible, but like watching two white belts go yeah. at it, but like they're obviously highly skilled and far from white belts, but just the the um the cavalierness of it all, mm-hmm. 
and just how how it just it man just the the momentum swings back and forth were just constant yeah i like to see it out of simon i like to show a heart i like to show a toughness for Kozlo, it's a it's a rough entry. You know, he came in, took it on short notice, did well, got all the position. He got everything he needed to win this fight. It's just he couldn't keep his positions when he got them. And, and uh, that that illegal knee to the face really took it out of him too. Honestly, yeah. I think he should have uh, bowed out at that point. Maybe you you heard him though. Like what was it like? I'm not a bitch, but I ain't no bitch or something yeah. like that. Something to that effect. Yeah, well, and that's pride, and that's yeah. the downfall of man. And, and uh, he he honestly wasn't the same after that. And um, he only I took the fight on really short notice. He's only ever fought one in like had all of his fights have been first round finishes too. So there was a lot to tax him. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. I mean, so credit to him for not taking the out yeah. that he did have in a tough fight. Um. But yeah, yeah it, it seemed like that really screwed him up. I, I thought the referee should have at least deducted two points. He deducted one. I feel like the blow was so substantial that it it, it seemed worth a, a two-point deduction. Yeah, it's, yeah I mean, it's, 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 it's hard enough to get one point deducted. Let's, you know, we're, if we're being real here, we're lucky yeah. we got that. For sure. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap this up. You can find me on Twitter at these ain't Simon. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at bloodyover.com. Give us a like, subscribe to our podcasts over on Bloody Over Presents on SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. And we'll be back in one week's time for the final UFC card of 2022. UFC Vegas 66, UFC Fight Night 216, UFC on ESPN Plus 74, UFC Fight Night Cannoneer versus Strickland. See y'all then. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Vivis Section, the 6th Round Post-Fight Show, 6th Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive fighter interviews, show money, guest podcasts, the Hey Not the Face podcast, and radio style play by play for every UFC pay per view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Bloody Elbow blog, and as always on BloodyElbow.com. <laughs>